Jumbo fellow adventurer, it's Mike Dooley here to remind you of how powerful you are and how much you deserve by sharing spiritual tune-ups. These are live broadcasts Monday through Friday, each lasting 5 to 15 minutes, where I answer viewers' questions, bringing lofty metaphysical concepts down to earth for your immediate traction. You were born to succeed. You are pushed on to greatness every single day. Your positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than your negative thoughts. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, happy Monday, the best of your life so far, and welcome to another spiritual tune-up. This one, like almost all of them lately, has been based on your questions. Today's question is how to avoid self-sabotage. Oh, great question, and a really popular question in my experience traveling 20 years all over the world. So, how to avoid self-sabotage. Number one, and this is so critical uh, and so often overlooked, we live on the plane of manifestation. What you think about, you bring about. What you speak, you own. And when somebody says, I, don't I want something, I don't have it, it's been a long time, I'm self-sabotaging. Maybe they weren't self-sabotaging. Maybe that night, the big shift in the stars was going to take place, and the next morning, the phone call would ring, and happy times forevermore. Maybe they were a breath away from that big dream coming true. But as soon as they say, I want it, don't have it, must be something wrong with me, must be self-sabotage. Now, they're self-sabotage. Now, what was a sure thing for the next morning is written off. Can't have it. Because you claim self-sabotage. So before I give you my five tips on how to ensure you're not going off the rails, before I give you those tips, from now on, never assume self-sabotage, okay? Because that alone will derail you, okay? So just because you don't have what you want doesn't mean there's something wrong. And don't rely exclusively or even heavily on your physical senses to interpret your journey and whether or not you're making progress. Your physical senses are the biggest liars on earth when it comes to understanding what's going to happen next in these sacred jungles of time and space. Don't go there. They show you what you're manifesting in the moment. They have no bearing on what's coming in the hour. Zero. Yet, if you're like, oh man, this looks like yesterday and yesterday didn't happen. Oh man, what's wrong with me? Nothing was wrong, but now you're claiming that you've got issues, you're sabotaging, and the universe is like, I heard that. I heard that the first 772 times. You will be self-sabotaging all day long. Actually, not really, but I'm going to make it look like appear you are appearing to self-sabotage, and then you will be. So, don't jump to conclusions. Don't use your physical senses alone. And now you're ready for my five tips to tweak the machinery. <clears throat> you want something, don't have it? Hey, it's probably going to show up tomorrow. But to make sure you're doing all you can with what you've got from where you are, here are some five things to visit and revisit from time to time on your different dreams without assuming you've got any of them wrong. Number one, 
Are your end results, your desires, your dreams wisely stated? This is my playing the matrix material. You can have the nugget of it in one minute here. Do not have dreams that depend on any of the three points of the Bermuda Triangle of manifesting. Do not have dreams that depend on a specific person behaving a specific way. Do not have dreams that attach to unimportant details. All details are unimportant. And number three, do not have dreams that are actually cursed hows. You dream of wealth and abundance. You don't know how you're going to get there. So you say, I'm going to write that book. And now you tell everybody your dream is to write that book when really it wasn't. It was wealth and abundance. You've got a cursed how, a how that you're attached to, excluding all other possibilities. So number one, to tweak the machinery to make sure you're doing everything ideally, your end results need to be wisely stated, not in the Bermuda of tri not in the Bermuda Triangle of manifesting. So no specific people behaving specific ways. No unimportant details. All details are unimportant. Don't attach to unimportant cursed house. Don't attach to house. That makes them cursed. Okay. Number two, because that was just one guideline. Just checking. Just check. Number two out of five. Um, do not give life's magic a timeline, a deadline. Never, never, never. Big, big mistake. That could be the point of a spiritual tune-up, maybe tomorrow. Ask me below if you want clarification on that. I know many of my peers will advocate, put a deadline to all of your dreams, and I will tell you, never do that. Never do that, okay? The rationale will come at a future tune-up. So don't put timelines on the magic. You can put it on yourself. I'll write a chapter of my new book a week or a month, but don't put it on the magic or when the final manifestation is supposed to happen. Thin ice might work, might blow up in your face. All right, so number three, are you taking action? Consistent daily action. Even if you don't know how your dream is going to come true, you got to do something about it every day, okay? Or at least every other day. Okay. you got to be taking action, baby steps. Even if you don't know, do something, do anything. Go to the mall, do a Google search, print up your business cards, ask for a raise. Do something to the best of your humble ability. It'll seem like not enough. It'll always be enough. Number four, diversify. Your dream ought to be stated in broad brush sweeping terms. Wealth and abundance, friends and laughter, rocking romance, creative fulfilling work. And then you want to try many pathways there, okay? This is creating multiple hows. Don't insist on one. You exclude all others. So are you diversifying? You know, if you want to live in wealth and abundance, you ought to write the book. You ought to start the business. You ought to list the property. You ought to go back to school. You ought to do a lot of things that resonate with you. Diversify instead of picking one. And number five, the last one, this is tricky. You will be served if all of your dream manifestation pursuits are driven by love, not fear. But let me clarify. Fear can be an awesome motivator and fear can help you get it done. Fierce, fear works. Fear totally works. But it's not good for your physical system. It's no fun. Um, and I highly recommend you move forward with love and a sense of adventure. You know, I want to move into abundance and have infinite possibilities, lots of freedom, start a foundation, share the love instead of 
uh, I'm being motivated by, I don't want to lose my house. I'm being motivated by how am I going to retire at this rate? Uh, I'm being motivated by, you know, I don't want my partner to break up with me. I'm being motivated because I want to save face or prove a point or those all work, but they don't work as well as love and adventure. So those five ways to avoid self-sabotage, wise end results, no timelines, take action, diversify, and be love-inspired, adventure-inspired. John Bow, fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley. Welcome to another spiritual tune-up on the heels of yesterday's spiritual tune-up was about, which was about avoiding self-sabotage. And one of my five points in that lesson talked about not attaching to timelines, not insisting on a timeline. And I asked if you want me to take that tangent today. And many of you said yes in your comments below on Facebook or Instagram. If that's where you're watching this live or the recording, please post your questions. Uh, this is where I get my talking points. Also, thanks for the hearts and for the shout outs and for the weather conditions wherever you are. Uh, your engagement helps the popularity of these tune-ups get out there. So share as much as you like uh, and thanks for being there every single day. So timelines. Uh, I know that I differ from almost everybody on uh, whether or not you should put a deadline beside your dreams in your journal. I don't know of anybody who agrees with my rationale, but like all that I share, I go within, I mine, I ask, I expect answers, and lo and behold, I am just filled and overflowing with clarity and confidence in virtually all areas that I go within on. And you can do the same. I'm not special in that way. But as opposed to reading what everybody else is thinking and regurgitating it, don't do it. Um, so, why do I say do not impose timelines or associate your big dreams and your big goals with a calendar? Because you cannot possibly know all else going on in your life with your 60,000 other thoughts, with your four dozen other dreams, and with those fears you have that you don't like to admit, and your invisible limiting beliefs. You don't know what else is coming down the pike. You don't know if economies and currencies are rising or falling. You don't know if Donald Trump will get elected for four more years or somebody else will totally change things. You can't know, but divine intelligence is tracking all of that. And already divine intelligence has one speed. Fast, pronto, yesterday, okay? It knows you want it fast. Why would you tell God, hey, you know, I want a million bucks um, you know, by December 31? It's like, duh, I know where you're at. I know how that can liberate you. I know that you want to demonstrate and live to your fullest potential and you want a relationship and you want to improve your health and I'm on it. A-S-A-P. You don't have to tell divine intelligence when you want it by. It might be handy for you to make it more real. So here's what I'm going to suggest. Uh, and, and before I even suggest how you might use them, um, let me give you a hypothetical which will paint clear as day why you will never associate a deadline to a dream ever again. 
let's say you have just watched The Secret 30 days in a row. And let's say you're filled to the brim with, with enthusiasm, optimism. You're surrounded by great empowering books. And so you make an affirmation and a declaration that you will be surrounded in wealth and abundance of your own creation by December 31. Let's use that common deadline. By the end of the calendar year, six, week, six months and a week and a half away, you will be a multimillionaire. Now, you can do this with, you know, brimming health. You can do this with rocking relationships. You can do this with any other kind of dream for this hypothetical demonstration. But I'm just going to say wealth and abundance because it's popular and there's nothing unspiritual about financial abundance. So let's say your dream is wealth and abundance to be a multimillionaire self-created by December 31 this year. All things are possible. The universe loves you. Mike Dooley says thoughts become things. So it shall be done. Well, the instant you're gravitating and thinking and feeling about wealth and, and, and abundance as an end result, the universe is already on it. But the universe knows that maybe your mom is about to get sick. The universe knows that you have a fear with regard to public speaking. The universe knows that you're also dreaming about a rocking relationship. And the universe knows you have some forgiveness issues, some blame issues with uh, a family member. And the universe knows you want all of these things resolved. And because your mom's health is really sacred and crucial to you, just hypothetically, you know, maybe you have a cool mom like I did. Um, maybe as soon as you can see what the universe now sees, wealth and abundance is going to be like number 42 on your priority list. But you don't know that. You don't know that. So you just say, you say December 31. And let's say your mom is going to go through this health issue crisis for growing purposes of her own, where she will be faced with inner um, dilemma and conflict and an opportunity to rise above and prevail, okay? So it's not a bad thing necessarily at all. Or maybe she's done in time and space and she's going to have a slow checkout. You know, it's all good. It's all spiritual. This is her life, not your life. You can't control your mom. But the universe sees this on the immediate horizon, so the universe juggling all these balls and your 60,000s thoughts, your other dreams, desires, fears, and invisible limiting beliefs says wealth and abundance, um, December 31 is not going to happen because of all of these moving things. And by the way, currencies and euros and elections and coronavirus and everything. But no problem. May 3rd, May 3rd, just four months and three days later, you will be a self-made multimillionaire. Not December 31 like you wanted, but May 3rd. You don't hear that conversation. You're not privy to this, okay? You could be if you're tuned in and you're psychic, but you're not privy to that. And you're like, December 31, because the universe loves me. Wealth and abundance. Everything I touch turns to gold and thoughts become things. There's a law of attraction and I'm watching the secret every day. You tell your friends, you tell everyone, you're moving towards it. And then mom gets sick. Then the currency collapses. Then coronavirus comes back. And then new virus shows up. And then something else is going on. And by the way, your priority for wealth and abundance has just plummeted because of your mom's health or because of other things, good, bad, whatever, in, in the field of your horizon. It doesn't happen by December 31. How are you going to feel on January 1? How are you going to feel on January 3rd? How are you going to feel on February 1? 
where you had been soaring with optimism and confidence when you declared that goal. Now it was shattered in spite of your best efforts. It didn't happen. You never took it off of your list, but in your own mind, it dropped in priority compared to some of the other things you were tending to. Now, because you feel so defeated, because you feel so overwhelmed, because you're helping your mom and money's not there and you just don't care and it didn't work the way you thought it would work, you decide it's because you had invisible limiting beliefs. You decided it's not. It's because you're not worthy. You, your optimism is in the toilet. And now, May 3rd is not an option. Can't happen. You've given up. You've lost faith. You've lost hope. And you're in this funk of despair. Why would you do that to yourself? The universe knows ASAP. As soon as you have a deadline and you miss it, you blame yourself. You hate yourself. You wonder what's wrong with you. Nothing was wrong with you. You were good to go for May 3rd. May 3rd, everything you touch turns to gold. But because of this devastating blow and your misinterpretation of what it means, you now no longer have the ability to believe in yourself for May 3rd. So here's the workaround. You can put deadlines on yourself, but not on the universe. If you write books, I'll write a new chapter every month. You know, if you sell widgets, I'm going to make five cold calls a day. Um, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. But you have to leave it to the magic to decide when, where, and how, knowing it's already on full steam ahead. The other thing you can do with goals, and many people say, well, businesses have goals all the time. Businesses are in the Bermuda Triangle of Manifestation. Businesses do it right. Businesses don't roll over and die when they don't hit a target. They immediately dust themselves off, they realign, they refocus, and they try for something else. People don't do that. People hate themselves. People give up. People throw in the towel. A business keeps going, keeps going, knock on more doors, try, realign, set a new target, try new people, turn over the staff, do this, do that. Businesses do it right. And so if you do it right, you can have deadlines. You can say December 31, I want to be a self-made multimillionaire. But if it doesn't happen... Don't blame yourself. Realize there are other factors in the work and you happily keep on going, knock on new doors, try new things and realign your sights with a different deadline. So this is why generally I would say never have a deadline because you just cannot see the terrain ahead. And when things don't work the way you thought they would through your micromanagement, you'll think something's wrong with you when nothing was wrong with you at all. Okay, so it already knows fast. It's already barreling its way towards you. Prepare the way, do what you can, knock on doors, turn over stones, and enjoy the journey. This is a question that comes up, oh, fairly often and understandably. Mike, how do you focus on the good when there's so much bad in the world? You know, from deforestation to viruses to dictators to, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff, really nasty, ugly stuff happening in the world. How do you focus on the good? A couple of things here, and the second of which uh, really hit me in a wild way today because it's something I 
have grappled with most of my life. But the first thing I want to tell you, which may or may not be obvious, is that there's always a million more things happening good in the world. There's a million more reasons to be happy in the world than otherwise. I mean, the love that beats in every heart, everyone here is really the same, a little bit scared, trying to find their way. We're all walking each other home as, um, ah, when I forget his name, uh, that's on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, uh, we're all walking each other home and we're all on this grand adventure. Uh, and there is so much to celebrate, so much love. I remember reading the Seth material dictated by the late Jane Roberts. And Seth pointed out, you know, that there's cooperation everywhere. I mean, between nations, in commerce, crossing the street, traffic signals. Yeah, you get the one crazy driver, but 99.99 are all looking out for one another, are all doing a pretty darn good job. But we notice that one person, we notice that one disease, and we notice the rainforester being cut to pieces, and it, it, it hurts to see those kind of things happening in the world. But just train yourself to see the good, the glorious, and the love that is everywhere. Now, the second thing I wanted to share with you, which was kind of a big wow for me, I've often wondered, in the same vein as this question, you know, the species that are being wiped out, um, you know, whether the, they're the exotic big game in Africa, the rhinoceros, etc., or species we don't even know exist, uh, certain worms or butterflies that, that are gone presumably forever. And it's just like the feeling I have, and it's the same feeling presumed by the question, is that there is this sense of lost opportunity, of kind of like a forever loss. Um, things could never be recovered, never be regained, certainly not in our lifetime, maybe not ever on this planet. There's this sense of um, eternal incompleteness. So here's the download, here's the drop I got this morning. Just as you realize, if you're watching this, uh, that you have an astral body, just as you realize that this is all illusions, hocus pocus, make believe, our thoughts become things for the adventure of it, for the love of it, for the joy of it, for the learning of it, just as you realize that time and space are not bedrock reality, that there is a deeper uh, source and realm and dimensions, and for lack of a better word, reality, a greater reality that is every bit as beautiful and magnificent, as detailed, as um, mind-blowing as life on planet Earth. Just as you realize all those things, namely yourself being um, an illusion, the physical vehicle through which your spirit can adventure into time and space, so does Mother Earth have a deeper source. So does Mother Earth have an astral body. So is Mother Earth one with the divine, an eternal, self-sustaining 
conscious organism, Mother Earth. And so no matter what we do here in the illusions, this is just one little speck of reality. Nothing here can tarnish or take away from the deeper essence that is Mother Earth and that resides in every creature within every species. And so if we don't have any more mastodons or dinosaurs or rhinoceroses, um, in our physical existence, that doesn't mean it's the end of the line for them. They have their astral existence. They have a deeper reality. There's no such thing as time to begin with. It's all an illusion. They are eternal sparks of magnificence in the heart and mind of God. Nothing can take away from the majesty of divine intelligence nor of the reality that we fall in love with. So this is not to diminish our existence in these sacred hallowed jungles of time and space. This is not to take away or say it doesn't matter or it doesn't count or it's not as good as. Thank you, Google. Um, but it is... Something went wrong. Please try again. Google. Google Assistant. Shh. Okay. Well, I'm pretty much there. So you get it. Number one, there's so much to fall in love with. And so much good happening in the world today. Focus on that and not what's breaking your heart. And number two, this is our, our playground. This is our workbook. We're all in a workshop right now. None of it is real. Not the way you think reality is real. It's all here for our learning and growth where the master copy of planet Earth and the master copy of every species that has ever lived. You know, woolly mammoths and T Tyrannosaurus rexes and they're alive and well and vibrant, exploring and growing as we will when we leave this physical plane. Jumbo fellow adventurers, time for another spiritual tune-up. And boy, I don't know what got unleashed yesterday, but amazing questions were posted beneath these broadcasts on Facebook and Instagram. And I can't wait to get to more of these questions in the days that come. But one of the questions kind of stuck out and got my attention because it's something I think we all have a false sense about. And that is family obligations. What do you owe your family? You know, blood is thicker than water, as the old saying goes. You know, family is sacred. Um, and is that true or not? So to answer the question right off the bat, from, uh, from the perspective the questioner had of like, look, there's this political divide in our family, um, you know, pretty much left versus right. It's really extreme. It's almost, almost unbearable. And if it wasn't for a sense of obligation, um, I would never be in touch with this person the rest of my life, yet they are my flesh and blood. So what do you do? What do you owe family? Okay, so to cut to the chase, uh, the answer, which may seem startling at first, but hear me out, please, is that you owe absolutely nothing 
to any family member other than respect and hopefully some form of human love. I've talked about love at length in other tune-ups. I won't go there this time. Um, you don't have to tell them you love them. Uh, you don't have to tell them you respect them. But that ought to guide your behavior. And maybe that will guide your behavior away from them. You have no obligation to stay in touch. Um, but out of kindness and respect and reverence, if there's a possibility to be available, then be available. And think not that you need to be on the same political wavelength to be able to enjoy someone. Even, you know, members of your immediate household may have very divergent feelings. You don't have to think alike to get along and see the divine shining behind their eyes. So I'm not saying, you know, run the other way and family doesn't matter. Everything matters. Everything's sacred. Everything's beautiful. We're all trying our best. Sometimes the ignorant klutz in your life, family or not, chose to be connected with you prior to this incarnation for the love and the light you would shine on their darkened path. And wouldn't it be awful if you said, you're such a moron, I don't want you in my life. It's like, hey, they, they knew that. That's why they chose to be near you. Although, on the surface, they may, they may not be nice to you, they may disrespect you, in which case, you know, peace out, love you with all my heart, or at least feel that, and then don't call them, or don't go there, or don't be there. You owe nobody anything other than respect, and that can be kept silence, which isn't to say don't care. Don't compromise your life in any way, shape, or form out of some false, fake sense of what family is and who owes what, when, and where. The baseline, the legs under the table, is we all chose this lifetime. You chose who your family would be. You chose them for obvious reasons, for the love and guidance they would give you, or maybe you chose them for the not-so-obvious reasons, the love and guidance they would deny you. Why? To make you tougher. Why? So that you would go within. Why? So that you could prevail and be a light to other people beyond your family. I don't know how or why you chose your family. I don't know how or why I chose mine, except uh, I love them. Uh, but whether, whether there's a profound reason to the choice, or you just wanted to get into the jungles of time and space, it, it doesn't matter. You chose them. Objectives were met. They are looking for their place in the sun as you are looking for your place in the sun. And each of us needs to follow our heart and be true to ourselves without some fake sense of obligation. If they raised you, they supported you, they sacrificed for you, your parents presumably. Um, if they put your needs before their own, you owe them nothing other than respect and love. Now, I'm not saying, you know, be awful. And if you can, within your heart, love and respect and give back. But if that's untenable for any reason, any reason, it's okay. With peace and respect, you're out. You're out. And you don't have to be angry or vile or, or, or anything like that. To state what I think is obvious, should be obvious, blood relations 
are not more spiritual than any other kind of relation. The complete stranger on the corner is every bit as much God as your mom, dad, son, or daughter. Okay, Everything is sacred. And very often we find in our lives, our friends are much more in sync with us and even maybe love us more than certain family members have the ability to do, which makes them more uh, like your spiritual family. But again, that doesn't make them closer to God or nor should they have a higher uh, reverence from you. It's all good. Bottom line, enjoy your life. Follow your heart. Let there be love and respect for everyone. If you have differences of opinion, let there be differences of opinion. Uh, let them think what they want to think. And if you can in any way, shape, or form, enjoy their company otherwise. Enjoy their silly sense of humor. Enjoy whatever it is you can find to enjoy in them because all are God particles. Jumbo and happy Friday to everybody out there. Time for another spiritual tune-up. I'm Mike Dooley. Today's question I think is kind of fun and one we must all have wondered about at some point or another. And that is the validity <clears throat> or lack thereof of astrology, tarot card readings, <clears throat> genetics even, palm readings, tea leaves, all of those things. What's going on? And the questioner brought up the angle of thoughts becoming things. If thoughts become things, which is what I teach, is an absolute inviolate principle as dependable as gravity, it is, then what about these other parameters that seem to indicate, um, you know, destiny or fate, etc.? Well, to back up, astrology, tarot cards, genetics, palm readings, tea leaves, all of those things, wow, there is totally something there. The validity is indisputable. Uh, it is shocking and uncanny how these things can have such profound accuracy in our lives. But very much like the concepts and phenomenon of karma, which I spent a lot of time with on an earlier spiritual tune-up, they are not absolute laws. And they do not indicate any kind of destiny or obligation. They are generally misunderstood to the degree, which is why I'm bringing it up right now, to the degree that people give their power away. Don't do that. Nothing trumps your ability to choose your thoughts in the present moment and dictate how the rest and best of your life will unfold. It doesn't matter if you were a pirate in the last incarnation. It doesn't matter if Saturn is rising on Venus. It doesn't matter what your palms say. The way reality works in its truest sense defies all logical reasoning. As many have taught and as can be deduced, we live in an eternal now, an eternal expanding now moment point. And 
contrary to what our physical senses say, that life is happening and therefore we must react, we are happening and life is responding. And life is rearranging the stars, almost literally, based on your focus. It's already been shown and mentioned by many profound leaders uh, prior to me that the reason, for example, uh, card readings, tarot cards, uh, can be so accurate is literally different people, with all other things equal, different people will draw different cards. Now, our brain wants to say the next card is, you know, the ace of spades. I don't know my tarot cards. Um, the next card is the ace of spades. So no matter who shows up, they're going to get the ace of spades. So how can that be meaningful? The next card is not the ace of spades. Do not believe your physical senses. The next card will depend on who picks it next. This is the theory of relativity and Einstein in ways um, that it is not typically understood. So cards will change based on people and when they choose them, contrary to physical senses. Um, it has been said that the lines in our palm will actually change in a lifetime, reflective of what's going on here. True or not true, you know, I, I, I don't know that there's any basis to that. It sounds uh, pretty kooky to me, but there's no disputing that by changing your thoughts, your focus, your joy levels, you'll live longer, be more productive, and, and therefore there has to be some lenience or wiggle room within palm reading and or perhaps palms literally do change over the course of a lifetime. Genetics. Bruce Lipton, my brother, uh, has shown through various studies that our genes do not dictate everything about our physical evolution and that they change based on our beliefs. Beliefology is his coined terminology. So then, then finally, there's the stars in the sky. And I can only say, while I don't think they, they literally move based on your moods, um, I would say what they reflect are greater aspects of your identity that are extremely unlikely to change during a lifetime. I mean, you're drawn to the arts or you're drawn to logic. You're left-brained or right-brained. So there's some things that are not going to change in your lifetime, and nor would you want them to, because this is the stage you chose with objectives in mind. And so within these parameters, there's still infinite possibilities for joy, fa fabulous relationships, health and healing, miracles, the unexpected. So in some of these parameters that seem to dictate fate and fortunes, there is there are infinite possibilities for variations therein. And so we can find that these systems are crazy accurate in tuning into probabilities and likelihoods. I talk about probabilities all the time. We choose our lifetimes and our personality set, if you will, based on what we want to experience during the adventure. The likelihood that we would be guided or misguided will play into our objectives. These create probabilities. Somebody asked the other day, why would, why would I want my parents to die when I was 12 years old? Why would I choose that? That's part of 
That was yesterday's question. Great question. Nobody would choose to have their parents die when they're 12 years old, but they would choose a stage where that was clearly a probability. It's not a probability in all cases. Although things shift so much, there's always room for evolution and unexpected surprises. But part of that parameter, part of that stage would have suited your own objectives for learning, growth, self-reflection, discovering your power without the guidance of parents from age 12 and beyond, and it would have suited you perfectly or you wouldn't have chosen. And it doesn't mean you wanted that to happen, um, but it means in the array of probabilities, even that one would make this lifetime super worthwhile versus not having this lifetime. So the bottom line, your thoughts become things. That's the end all and be all of living the life of your dreams. You do not need to worry about karma or your stars. Be extremely careful choosing your fortune tellers. Okay, a young soul fortune teller will predict the future. That's the first red flag on the play. Get up and go away, politely, discreetly. Pay them your fee and 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 then mix in a dash of salt with everything they said. The, the future is not predictable. There are probabilities, and some veins are far more likely than other veins, but nothing is set in stone, and only an immature soul would be so reckless as to tell you what's going to, to happen next. Sometimes they'll be right. That doesn't mean the next time they'll be right. And if you base your life and choose your focus, your thoughts, based on a fortune teller who doesn't know any better than to, you know, predict the future, um, you've given your power away. You have your power. It's in your thoughts, in the present moment. You get what you think about. You get what you talk about. You get what you move with. You are loved and adored. You are pushed on to greatness every day. You are inclined to succeed. Your positive thoughts are 10,000 times more powerful than your negative thoughts. You rule the roost in a game that's rigged in your behalf. Well, there you have it, fellow adventurer. Thanks for listening to this most recent installment of Spiritual Tune-Ups. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a few seconds to rate it on the podcast service you're using right now. It makes a big difference in helping more people find us. And of course... If you want daily reminders of life's magic and your power, please sign up at tut.com for my free Notes from the Universe emails. Tally ho!